This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, 115 kickoff today, the Arkansas State Red Wolves. And uh, for those listening early in the morning and coming in, you better pack up. Pack up the rain gear and pack up some layers because the weather doesn't look great. It's It almost seems like uh, we should be playing Oregon State this week, Chris, with the weather that's predicted for today. Because it just seems like every time we play Oregon State, the weather's horrible. Do you remember our last game against Oregon State where there's been decent weather? Um, you mean in Seattle or? <laughs> Either one, Corvallis or Seattle. Yeah, well, those typically have been later in the season, so they, you know, they're kind of reminiscent of what it would be like when they play the Apple Cup. But yeah, I mean, it it doesn't look great. Um, it doesn't look horrible. I mean, I have a high of sixty four. It's just, you know, nearly a fifty percent chance of rain, which obviously, coming out of the summer, it's just you know not something you're used to. And but there's definitely been a, a turn in terms of the the drop in temps the last couple of days for sure. I don't I don't know if you guys have experienced it on on the other side of the lake, but for me for sure, you know, you can tell outside, you know, having the dogs go out for a walk or something like that, you can definitely tell there's it, it's starting to de- definitely get into fall. Oh and yeah, it, when when, when it, I went out for a walk yesterday, it, it was it was I was like, wow, I should have put on a longer sleeve longer sleeve shirt. It was it was pretty chilly. And the three words that are just sending shivers down Scott Eklund's spine, possible thunderstorms. Yeah, I'm not – 1 o'clock start, I, I'm not that worried that we're going to go until 4 o'clock in the morning like last time. But, uh, yeah, not fun. Scott loves the night games. It's his favorite thing. Can't stand them and then throw on a three-hour or two-and-a-half-hour, whatever it was, time, uh, delay. Yeah, not fun. This is not, speaking of not fun, this has not been a fun couple of weeks. There's just so much anger out there. Um, it makes it difficult at times to try to have a civil discussion without getting pounced on. Um, it's a little bit difficult. I played golf, uh, yesterday and, uh, boy, you just trying to, st- you start avoiding people because you just get the same thing. What's the matter? What's going on? What's wrong? And, Scott, I'm guessing you're getting it, and Chris, I'm guessing you're getting it too, because you know, as I stated, it's all our fault, right, Scott? Yeah, I, you know, the one, the one that cracks me up is the people who blame us for lying to them about the team. That's the oh, one yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we were lying to you guys, that and whatever. But you know, I, the thing is, I can understand the frustration. I mean, you, last year the season was cut short, four games. They win the conf, they win the North. They don't get to go play in the conference title game. Oregon does instead. They go on to win and, and that should have been Washington or at least that's how Washington fans feel. And, 
And so then you wait all spring, all through spring, you get a little bit of a taste of things in spring ball, and then you get a little bit of a taste in things in fall camp, and you've waited nine months, and they kick off, and uh, they lose to Montana. And then they go to Michigan, and a game that people have been jonesing for and waiting for and couldn't wait to go on, and then they get run on for 343 yards and, and their offense again can't do anything. And, and I, I get the frustrations because you wait so long for this and to be out of any kind of discussion for a conference or for the college football playoffs after the first, first game of the season stinks. And then you look at what this, you know, it's like what Jimmy Lake said at the beginning of the week. There's a lot of football left to play, still a ton of football left to play. Washington, all of their goals as far as winning the conference are still there. But you see this product on the field and you start saying to yourself, how are they going to win if if they can't do anything against either of these teams? And, and Chris, I think one of the things that just just really set fans on edge even before the Michigan game was that 9 o'clock start with the Ohio State-Oregon game. And Oregon just, I thought they just thumped Ohio State. And so going into that, I think Husky fans were pretty on edge going into the Michigan game to begin with. Well, it, they may have been. I don't know. I, I do know that I, I mean, I tweeted out after the Oregon game. I thought, you know, it was such a, it's such a phenomenal game for the Pac-12, for the conference, for the, for the reputation of the league. And it's sorely needed. I mean, these, these are the kinds of games where in the past, you know, number of years, the Pac-12 has just fallen on its face and, and everyone knows it. And this was the kind of game, marquee game with Oregon showing up and playing the way that they did. That was massive for the conference. Obviously, if you're just a Washington fan and you don't care about the Pac-12 and you only care about UW and you see Oregon as their, as the main threat to Washington, then yeah, you're, you're not going to feel good about that at all. So I, Totally depends on your perspective, but I thought it was phenomenal for the league, and I tweeted out basically now it's up to Washington. Washington had to hold their end of the bargain, and they absolutely just crapped the bed. I mean, there's just no two ways about it. I mean, you couldn't have been more polar opposite when you looked at what Oregon did and then how Washington reacted to that. Um, it was just an awful, awful game, and like I wrote, Back, uh, after the game happened, it was damage limitation. I, I don't know how, if you remember this, Kim, or if you had the same feelings, but I remember Gilby's first game as a Washington head coach going out to Ohio State when they were top three in the country. And it just felt like Washington was never in that game and they never tried to be in that game. And that's just the same feeling that I had against Michigan. I didn't feel like that. I, I, I just kind of felt like things were, I mean, the first play of the game. I mean, Washington's obviously got the talent, but it's just, I don't know if discombobulated is the right word, but I can't ever recall a team getting a delay of game before the even first snap of the ball. I mean, oh, it, it's, happened it's happened before, but it shouldn't. It how, shouldn't. Does it, how does that happen? I mean, how does that happen? It's getting the signal down in time and, and the players having a sense of urgency. Neither yeah. one of those is there. It's also the first, it's also the first away game in, you know, two years. You know, the last one was at BYU and, you know, that's a totally different atmosphere, day game, the whole bit. People have to remember Michigan does not play games at night. And, you know, like Washington for years and years and years, even during the James era, they just didn't play at night. That's what made that Nebraska game in 92 so Gosh. off the charts electric is because you just didn't, you just didn't get, uh, a Washington night game. They were always a noon game or, or what have you. And to, to have a night game, uh, 
to be Washington's first away game in two years at Michigan, a total maze out, 108,000 fans, a ton of Washington-based recruits in attendance. I mean, you couldn't have set itself up to have a bigger opportunity, a bigger stage to get a win. And for them to play that the way that they played, you you got absolutely nothing out of it. And in fact, you probably hurt yourself a lot because of the result. Everybody wants to blame the blame game, you know, and to me, it's kind of foolish. It, it just doesn't it doesn't do anything. You know, it's so and so's fault. It's so and so's fault. And OK, then what? But, you know, the interesting question that I think that we have, Scott, is, you know, from my understanding, you know, the offense that's being run by John Donovan when Jimmy Lake went out to look for an offensive coordinator, there was a lot of people. I don't have names for you, but from my understanding, there was a lot of people interested in coming to the University of Washington to be that offensive coordinator. But when you start narrowing down the search, Jimmy narrowed that down to guys that he want that he could get that would run the type of offense that he wanted to run. And if you want to know what kind of an offense that looks like, it looks like what Michigan did to Washington this past week, you know, the power football game and, you know, just throwing it to keep it off balance. But, you know, John Donovan's running the offense that Jimmy wants to run. Is John Donovan running his offense or is he still running what Jimmy wants to run, Scott? I don't know. We need to talk to John Donovan about that. Although I think he'd give the politically correct answer. Of course he would. I'm doing what, what, I'm, I'm running the offense. It's a collaborative, it's a yes. collaborative process. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, you know, if you look at what they were running at Vanderbilt, you look at what they ran at Penn State, the two places where he was, uh, the play caller, offensive coordinator, uh, this looks not like what he was running back in those days. So, you know, they were out of the shotgun more often than not. They were doing a lot of these different things. Um, you know, that, that Washington isn't doing. And is that because Dylan Morris, they just don't trust him to do all the stuff that he needs to do? I don't know. I, it's hard to say. Um, I don't think this is completely what John Donovan would like to run, but he's being a good soldier and running what he's supposed to run. Now, um, I think Jimmy Lake should have the right to have the kind of offense he wants to run, but he also, you live by the sword, you die by the sword kind of thing. And, if, if, if this is what the offense is like that he wants to run, then he's gonna, the one who's gonna really ultimately suffer the consequences. Uh, Chris, your thoughts. I mean, is this the offense John Donovan wants to run or is this the offense, you know, that he was hired to run and this is what Jimmy wants to do? You've this been around Jimmy a lot. No, this is what Jimmy wants to do. He hired him. He, he came out with the mandate literally when, when Chris Peterson turned it over and you had the press conference in December with Chris Peterson, Jen Cohen, and Jimmy Lake, and the transition was right there in front of us, and he was asked about the problems on offense. And just and and it was ironic because they had, you know, they were they had just finished their regular season, but they would go and put what, thirty eight on Boise State in Peterson's last game in the bowl game. Um you know, so it it, it clearly wasn't as bad as as maybe it was portrayed to be, although you could certainly make an argument that it wasn't great at all uh, compared to what it, it had started out to be. Um, I just think that it's clearly it was Lake's mandate. He wanted a guy with, with NFL ties as well as college ties. He wanted a coach and a, and a coordinator that had feet in both of those worlds. And he wanted a, a pro style attack uh, that was multiple, but was balanced. 
based on the power run, go vertical, be explosive, do all those things. Sounds great in theory, but, you know, listening to Brock Heward talk about it this week, you know, they're running schemes that he ran 25 years ago at UW. It's an anachronism. It, 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 it doesn't have a place in the college football game right now because everyone is going spread. Everyone's putting their athletes in space. They want one-on-one. They're trying to make yards after the catch that way. And for him to try to throw it all the way back, it feels like a coach that is smart enough to understand that what's going on, but is almost maybe a little too smart and trying to be clever when he doesn't need to be clever. He needs to just find what's going on right now and really kind of maximize the, the current trends. And Chris, it worked for Michigan. And yes, Michigan, it Michigan it ran that. Part of the big reason it worked in Michigan, Kim, was because Washington was playing a single high safety 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage, and they were daring them to throw the ball. And Michigan wasn't throwing the ball. And one of the huge um, kind of criticisms of Pete Kwiatkowski's offense last year when they were running those kinds of things and Stanford was running all over them is that they didn't change. They didn't try to stuff the box. They didn't try to, to really make an effort to stop the run. And what was, what was Bob Gregory's first comment after being named the, the defensive coordinator at Washington? Stop the run. That was their number one, number two, number three priority. And so far they haven't done it. And part of the reason they haven't done it is that as much as he's thrown the extra defensive lineman in as the wrinkle, they still play that four-two-five nickel base, and they still play their safeties way back. I mean, literally. And there's a reason why they have been very difficult to have big plays against is because of the scheme that they run. But it also allows teams to run 5, 10, 15 yards at a pop yeah, but, and you know, just lead teams out. I don't think the defense has been the issue. You know, I, I, it's the offense and not scoring points. And, you know, Jimmy wants to run that power game. But you also got to have a quarterback that's able to go up to the line of scrimmage. And when there's nine guys in the box, you know, the quarterback's got to be able to check down and check out of those plays. And I asked Jimmy about that on Monday, how he would rate how Dylan was and, you know, checking out of the bad plays and checking into the good plays. And I was kind of surprised that he answered it. He said it, Dylan was about 50-50. Is that good enough? Well, 50-50 is the, the answer he's going to give the media. What he graded out as? that might be an entirely different story, an entirely different story. Because the bottom line is both Montana and Michigan, their defenses are not great defenses. I think as you go through the rest of the year and you follow what those defenses do from game to game, I think we'll see that Michigan, Michigan's going to get exploited at some point by somebody. Um, I think the bottom line is, is that they seem to almost anticipate what, Washington was going to do and then whatever Dylan tried to check in and out of to try to enhance the play or make it better for the offense just typically has failed and And so it's just a lack of recognition when ultimately when you want to when you want to boil it down and Scott you know it's hard to look at you know as uh you know fans or media and looking at that is this you know is it bad play calling is it bad schemes? Um, is the uh, they're not putting in possession to succeed? Is Dylan not checking into and out of the proper place? And 
you know, it's hard for us to know just from what we see because we're not behind the scenes. We don't get the all 22. You know, where do you see it? It's never one thing, is it? It's always a combination of things. Yeah, it's a combination. I think it's more execution and I think it's more execution than anything, really. I, I, I see an offensive line that's just getting abused and, you know, the, the stats have been out there, the, on pro football focus. They've had, um, they've had other analysts come in and see what Washington is doing. And they said the, the offensive line is just playing super bad, uh, along, uh, in the trenches and Washington's b- both. If, if you look at the way that the defensive line is playing and the offensive line is playing at the University of Washington, you can see why they're 0 and 2. Their team, their, their defensive line has not played well. They played okay against Montana, nothing spectacular. And then against Michigan, you don't get run on for 343 yards and say the defensive line did well. You just can't. Uh, you know, I think there were some individually solid efforts. You know, Sam Taimani had seven tackles, and he was in the backfield a little bit. Tuli Ledulega-Sanoa, he was in the backfield a little bit, but not enough. And I said it after the Montana game, and I said it after the Michigan Michigan game. Washington does not have a difference maker up front. I think Tuli could be that guy, but he's not playing like it right now. They don't have a Vita Vea. They don't have a Greg Gaines. Heck, they don't eat right now. They have a bunch of Ryan Bowman's, or I'm sorry, uh, Shane Bowman's and, and guys who are just kind of there. They're not special. They're not making plays. Vita Vea was a generational defensive line talent. So I'm not going to, you know, hold anyone to that standard, but Greg Gaines, as good as he was, and he was very, very good. I don't think that he was. You know, a generational guy. He was a special college football player, but he's just kind of a guy in the NFL right now. And, and so Washington needs these guys to play at least at Greg Gaines level. If you can get that done, then maybe you can get some, get the linebackers free to make some more plays and do some more things. As it is, Edifuan Elufoshio and Jackson Sermon are making plays five yards down the field. But part of that's because they can't keep offensive linemen from getting to the second level. And why is that? Because they don't have defensive linemen taking up two and three blocks. And and Chris, I think the most alarming and concerning thing, you know, because like I said, you know, I, I don't want to put a lot of blame on the defense as bad as the offense has been, but just the lack of big plays on either side of the ball. You know, we haven't seen the quarterback sacks. We haven't seen the turnovers. We haven't seen a long run. We haven't seen a long pass completion, really. It's just that those momentum plays that usually turn things around, we haven't seen them. Yeah, no, I mean – what would you guess is the long run of the season so far? I think long it's 16 run. yards. 13, yeah. 13 yeah. yards. That was Richard in a 13-yard run. The yeah, long he, pass play, Terrell Bynum had a 45-yarder. Yeah. Um, and then and Giles Jackson had a 33-yarder. Outside of that, it's been 25 yards or less. Um, so, yes, you can make an argument that the vertical game just hasn't been there. Um, it opened up a little bit against Michigan, but that was Michigan more kind of defending a lead, allowing yards between the 20s, but they weren't going to allow uh, Washington to go crazy in the red zone, for instance. They weren't going to allow them uh, a ton of opportunities. They were just going to kind of play what was in front of them. So that allowed Washington to have a little bit of success. But teams aren't, teams aren't going to do that. I mean, they didn't, they don't have to do that. The only reason Michigan did it was because they already were up 31 whatever and, that was the end of that. So, 
um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because you're putting the defense in an impossible position when you're averaging eight and a half points a game. It's just that simple. You've got to, you know, the, the defense, their mantra is to score or get the ball back. They haven't done either one, but <laughs> the offense's mantra is just to score and they haven't done that either. So really when you're, when, when it comes down to it, just, just the basics, when it comes to the basics, this team hasn't done it. And that's really, really disconcerting, especially when you, you know, start to look at, at where you're trying to find some success or some silver linings in what could happen once you actually get into the conference. Because once you get in the conference, it's supposedly, it's supposedly supposed to get difficult. Supposedly, it's supposed to get harder. But right now, it looks damn near impossible. The, you know, in terms of trying to figure out exactly where they're going to generate things and how they're going to stop people. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The thing of it is, if there was just one issue, I, I think it would be easy to figure this out. But, uh, you know, it starts with Jimmy Lake up at the top. I, I think Jimmy's kind of taken uh, control of the program and he's taken it by the throat. And, you know, we said, if you know, I've said this numerous times. If Jimmy Lake is successful, it's because of Jimmy Lake's attitude. And if it's not successful, it's going to be because of Jimmy Lake's attitude. How much do you think of this comes from the top, Scott? What, what do you, when you ask that question, what, what do you mean? How much of what comes from the top? Would you, th- I mean, do you think a lot of the issues have to do with Jimmy Lake having his fingers in too many, too many parts of what's going on out there? You know, I know that Chris Peterson and a lot of successful coaches are successful because they allow their coaches to coach. Is that happening or are we seeing Jimmy getting too involved with every aspect of the program and them not being allowed to do what they need to do? I don't think I see Jimmy Lake as getting, being too involved in too many things. I don't, I don't know if that's going to be a, going to be the problem that, that fans need to focus on or anything like that. But, you know, he's, he's a guy who, who, like you said, Kim, he believes in what, in, in what, he believes in and he wants certain things to happen and that's kind of where things are. And, and I don't, I don't know if I see him meddling in, in too many things. Um, I, he, at least from what we've heard him say and, and what the other coach, what I've heard coaches say is, is that he lets them do their thing and, um, he expects them to get it done. And when they don't, he, he might get involved a little bit, but he's, you know, he kind of coaches them and, and says, this is what we need to get done. Let's get it done. And he lets them take care of that. And maybe he isn't involved in enough things. I don't know. I don't know. I, I really don't know how to answer that question. And Chris, with, when you lose games, especially two in the way Washington has left them, I mean, the first things Vans want to do is fire people. And, uh, boy, John Donovan has been on the hot seat. Can you realistically see at some point in the next couple of weeks anything happening with John Donovan? Well, it'd be difficult. I mean, I know people are pointing to the bye week, and that makes the most sense because you're going to have, 
you know, essentially two full weeks to be able to, to come up with something, to cobble something together. Um, but at the same point, you know, they don't really have a quarterbacks coach on that, on that staff if John Donovan's let go. So that's something they clearly have to be thinking about. At least Jimmy has to be thinking about in, in the near term if, you know, in case of, you know, in case of emergency break glass type situations. Um, I would say I don't, I agree with Scott. I don't think Jimmy Lake is a micromanager as much, but I do believe that the decisions that he's made at a macro level in terms of the philosophy that he wanted to go with and his insistence on the style of offense that he wanted run at Washington could be the thing that ultimately does him in. And that's simply, you know, if, if, if you end up failing at, at the job because of, of the things that you believe in and it just didn't work out, it wasn't a good fit. Okay. So be it. I mean, that's just an unfortunate situation and it, and it was, uh, you know, the wrong, the wrong guy at the wrong time. Um, you just hope that it's something more like that instead of some of these other things that are starting to creep in, whether you talk about him, uh, you know, having too many fingers in too many pots or, or some of the other things in terms of what, what is causing the issues to happen at Washington on both sides right. of the ball, frankly. Yeah. And the thing of it is, you know, you've got to think things through a little bit. If Jimmy was to let John Donovan go, then what? I mean, is there a guy on the staff that's qualified to be an offensive coordinator? Is there a guy qualified to work with the quarterbacks? And I know the pessimists out there are going to say, is John Donovan qualified? But I mean, what happens if they let John Donovan go? Then what, Chris? Yeah, no, it's, it's, you've got two guys that on the staff, offensive staff that have been offensive coordinators in the past. That's Junior Adams and Durham Cato. Um, I, I, I just don't believe that it would be a good situation to put a guy like Cato Who's, who's in his first job at the CFB level or at the FBS level, his first job. I mean, you just don't, it, it, it almost smacks a little bit of Bush Hamden in that sense. And we, and we kind of saw the results of, of what happened. Now, I'm not saying Bush Hamden didn't succeed at Washington because he got rushed into a position, but there could be an argument that, that could be made in, on that, on that behalf. I don't want to see the same thing happen to Durham Cato because he has a promising future. He looks like he's a, a, a star on the rise. His, his, his position group is doing well. He seems to be recruiting very well. And so I wouldn't really want to touch what he's doing at this point. Now, Junior Adams, he's a, he's a lot older coach. He's got a lot more experience, been a lot of, a lot more places. He's a guy that you could potentially install there, uh, as a, as a potential, uh, offensive coordinator. But again, you know, the types of schemes and the, and the philosophies that they're running right now on offense, these are things that have been worked on over the course of two years. You literally don't undo two years worth of work, um, practice, repetition, getting turns for all those guys. You don't undo that in two weeks. So the, the, the bad part about all this stuff is, is that John Donovan will, could very well lose his job. And if they lose, uh, today against Arkansas State, they, he could absolutely lose his job. Um, but he would end up just kind of being the scapegoat for it because the offense wouldn't necessarily it's, fundamentally change. It's not going to change anything. It's, it's just, you, you won't be able to just kind of reinvent yourself in two weeks. And that's just the difficulty faced when you're running a program with a hundred plus kids that all have to be on the same page all the time. And it's just very difficult. 
Yeah, the other thing is, too, and you let an offensive coordinator like that go. That's a really good indication that things aren't going well. Who's going to come in? I mean, who wants to come in and work for a coach who's going to be on the hot seat like Jimmy Lake is right now? You know, Scott, with the game today, you know, I, I, I expect them to win, and that's going to put them at one and two. But then they've got Cal coming in, and Cal's not going to be an easy win, you know, with Justin Wilcox and that staff coming in. And then they head on the road to Oregon State, you know. So you take a look at the current temperature that this coaching staff and this program is on right now. How does it change if they're one and two? Two and two, three and two, heading or, into the bye, or two and two. I mean, yeah. I mean, how does it change? Uh, well, it just changes the overall mindset. I mean, you're like, okay, we've got two conference wins. We've got a chance to really do some things in, in conference play and get into the postseason. And honestly, this at this point, with the way things are going, if you get to the postseason and have a chance to possibly even win the the Pac-12 North. By the end of the season, you got to count that as a win only from the standpoint of where you came from. But it, it's still not going to be a positive situation because people will always point back to Montana and Montana and or Montana and uh, Michigan and say, "Why didn't we win those games if we were playing if we were you know playing so well at the end?" So um, I don't know what to tell fans other than you know three and two looks a lot better than zero and five so you know i mean you got it you got to get this first win out of the way later today um i think washington's got a great chance to win this game um it's sad that we're at this point instead of just saying you know once they get past arkansas state they can start focusing on cal but but honestly they better be focused this this arkansas state team is loaded i, I did a thing on the top 10 uh, players uh, from a recruit standpoint, from a stars standpoint, the top 10 recruits on Arkansas State's roster and all but one of them are transfers. So, and Kim, you and I talked about it yesterday. Cornelius Bennett's son is on this team. So, yeah. you know, I mean, the pedigree for some of these guys is pretty impressive. And I, I think that people need to be aware that this is not going to be a cakewalk for Washington, but from what I watched, I've watched both of their games against central Arkansas and then against Memphis last week. And other than some missed tackles, you know, Memphis kind of was playing them really tough. And then, uh, what's it? Blackman, uh, is it Justin, is it it Justin Blackman? James. James Blackman, James Blackman, comes in and and plays really well and but the guy looks like I mean literally looks like he could he he could you could if you sharpened him he could you could write with his feet you know I mean he's so skinny I couldn't believe how skinny he was so um you know it's they've got an impressive offensive attack but the nice thing is their their passing game is what is really good well guess what Washington's pass defense is pretty darn good so we'll see we'll see how it goes Chris, anything less than 3-0 and going into the bye week, I think it's going to be a really interesting bye week. Would you agree? I mean, you talk about must-win games. I'm looking at three must-win games in a row. Yeah, every game is a must-win game at this point for Jimmy Lake and his staff. There's just no doubt about it. And I'm sure they're seeing it the exact same way because you you don't come off the cliff when you're 0-2 and, and those two losses coming in the fashion that they did and feel like you're you're going to win everyone back unless you win the league 
for instance. And winning the league right now feels like a pipe dream beyond pipe dreams. It just, it feels like it's decades away. I mean, I was talking to a radio station Friday in Portland and we were talking about the difference between, you know, where they are now compared to where they were five years ago. Five years ago, they were in the FBS, they were in the playoffs. They were playing number one team Alabama in the postseason. That feels like 20 years ago right now compared to how things have fallen so quickly once Chris Peterson left. And it's, it's crazy to me that, that, that things have come in the fashion that they have. But the next three games starting today with Arkansas State, they've got to come in and they don't have to have a resounding win. They just need a W. They just need something to build on. They need some momentum. They need some confidence. They just need some things to go their way. They need to get some turnovers. They need to do some of the basic things that this defense and this, and this offense have been known for in the past but have been so woeful at in terms of execution so far through the first two games that it, it's almost unrecognizable what this Washington team is compared to what people thought it was going to be. It's been a tough couple of weeks, <laughs> just to say the least. But, you know, Scott, is there anything that can happen today that would settle this fan base down a little bit? If they won 45 to nothing, yeah. I think I think the fan base would go, what did we just see? <laughs> but I think the, the comments on our board for the rest of the week would be, why didn't we see that against Michigan and Montana State? So um, quiet them down from a concern standpoint, maybe, but they'd be pissed that they didn't see it earlier. Yeah, no, it's just, like I said, you know, there's just so many angry people, and that's what's making it so difficult for many who want to try to have a reasonable conversation, whether it's on the golf course, the message boards, on Twitter. It's, um, if you say, I mean, you can't do it. I mean, it's almost like you get pounced on, and that's how bad the anger is. We haven't seen it this angry since, uh, since Tyrone. I mean, there were some moments with Sarkeesian when Sarkeesian was here, but boy, I haven't seen it this angry since Tyrone. No, and then, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's, I mean, it's justified. Now, what isn't justified to me is giving up on the season. Two games in, I mean, it's, it's just kind of, it's, it's just kind of pointless to me. If you're really a Washington football fan, then you're, I shouldn't say you're excited to see what happens going forward, but if you're not at least interested to see how this team responds to whether they have to, to whether they show a spine, have any backbone at all, have any pride or passion in playing for the purple and gold, then I, I don't know what you're doing as a fan. Because and then when we're not somebody talking about Owen, we're not we're not talking about Owen twelve, Kim. We're I'm, talking about Owen two. And then we're when you try about, to bring that up, and then people just want to crap on that's it. That's fine, Kim. And I'm not I'm not I'm not here to bitch on fans. They have every right to be pissed. I got no problems with that. And I'm sure that's not what you're talking about. No. But don't, but, but let's not, but this is not something where we turn it on the fans. They're not the problem. They're not a problem at all. The problem is the program. The problem is the offense. The problem is the defense. The problem is execution. The problem is coaching. It's all of those things and trying to figure out where, why they're, why they are at where they're at as opposed to where they should be. Is the real questions. And, and like Scott said, Scott's, the, the fans won't necessarily be placated if they win 45 nothing. They're going to be like, where's that been? What this is, this is the team we expected to see. Why were they so wholly unprepared 
the first two weeks to be able to handle their business like they handled it today, for instance, if they win 45 nothing, which I don't think is going to happen. But I don't if, they, if they did, those are the questions that would be asked. It's still – they wouldn't be off the hot seat. All those guys are on the hot seat right now. That thing is – that hot seat right now is like a uh, – is crazy right now. It's 1,000 degrees. Scott, it couldn't, tell, couldn't be any hotter. Scott, tell me one thing you have to see today to see market improvement for the season going forward. What's the one thing – the one key that you think is more important than anything? Just one. Offensive line play. That I mean, uh, we've talked about it ad nauseum. The, the offensive line has to play better, whether that's simplifying things down so their reads aren't as, as complicated or their adjustments aren't as complicated, whatever it is. They need to play better, no missed communications, and they need to dominate at the line of scrimmage. Arkansas State has some physically uh, big guys on that line. I watched them get pushed around by Memphis. There's no reason Washington shouldn't be able to push them around a little bit. What's the one thing you need to say to see today, Chris? Yeah, I, I would have said that too, but I would just say generally winning the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Yeah, yeah, I me mean, too. I'll the, agree the, the defensive line has not shown hardly any push. The, the outside linebackers, yes, they're, they miss, they miss ZTF like crazy. There's no doubt about that. But they, you know, outside of Ryan Bowman getting some pressures and getting held by Montana and whatnot, they they can't live off just one guy. You know, they've got to get more contribute. Cooper McDonald's starting to show up. He needs to continue to do that. Savelle Smalls needs to show up. Braylon Trice, for all the plaudits that he got in the offseason from Akaika Malloy, he needs to start showing up. Uh, it'd be nice to see Lolo Hea show up and, and add some some spice to that mix. They They need... To, they need to heat up these quarterbacks. Hey, doesn't matter if Hatcher's a quarterback. Doesn't matter if Blackman's a quarterback. They need to heat heat these guys up because the bottom line is their two quarterback system has been so bizarre the first two games because the guy that's come in for the other it's because the first guy struggled a little bit, but then the second guy has just come in and been like you know Doug Flutie or Tom Brady or whoever you want to. You mentioned he's yep. just been all world. And what you need to do is you need to heat those guys up so none of them feel comfortable and they all feel the pressure of being on the road at Husky Stadium in what is conceivably what can be one of the toughest environments to come in as an opposing team. So they, they've got to, they've got to show it on both sides of the ball, the line of scrimmage. Hey, did you guys, did you guys listen to, and I know, Kim, you were there, but did you guys listen to Cooper McDonald's, uh, uh, interview that he did with the press yeah did he not sound like the most refreshing excited kid in the world he yeah. was excited he was like yeah this is great this is why i came here yeah no i mean at the michigan game his his contingent of family back at the michigan yeah. game was huge and he's what, having fun out there what so. i thought was funny was he said arkansas state is my dad's alma mater so i want to kick their butt yeah, give him a smackdown. Absolutely. Hey, hey, Scott, I know there's not a lot of recruiting going on, and uh, back at well, the Michigan, back at the Michigan game, there was a number of in-state recruits back there, and this is just kind of typically the slow time for recruiting, anyways. But um, anything you need to update on that front? 
Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd term it slow or that nothing's going on. And Kim, I don't think that's what you meant by it. But the coaches are recruiting. They're they're talking to kids. They're doing FaceTimes. They're talking to them on the phone. And just an they, FYI, coaches were FaceTiming yeah. on the field to recruits it before the game. They were FaceTiming recruits on the field. Yeah, and so um and and so there is recruiting going on. They are doing recruiting and. I, I imagine there will be uh, – I've, I've had a few kids tell me, yeah, I'm planning to go up to the game on, on uh, Saturday and everything like that. So, um, you know, Washington will have some guys on the field, probably not a lot of guys, but a few. Uh, there will be a handful of, of recruits at this game. But the first big game that, that they were really pushing for was the Cal game, and that's when Henry uh, Hiro Kanu is going to be on on uh, on his unofficial visit to the University of Washington there, there's a bunch of guys who are planning to be at that game, especially local kids. So um, that's something to keep an eye on. But I mean, overall, you know, these these kids, they're they're in the middle of their season. The coaches are in the middle of their season. So you know, there's there's not a ton of recruiting going on from the standpoint of just having these big big monumental things happening but um you know the coaches are doing their best to keep these kids interested and say hey we're still trying to make progress we're working hard we're gonna we're gonna be fine and things like that and they're doing what they can and um you know there hasn't been a lot to report on as far as a recruiting blog i don't know if i'll have one on monday or not the plan usually is to have a bunch but you know there's just not a lot that i can report that's new especially with the way washington started the season so hopefully they get a win later today, and then uh, I can talk to some kids about what they've been seeing. As far as uh, Jer- Jeremy Bernard, a lot of people are worried he's going to go elsewhere because of the way the team has been playing. I can tell you for a fact right now that if Junior uh, Adams is still the coach at the University of Washington, and I imagine that will be the case, there is no way he's going anywhere but Washington is what I've been told. So he's completely locked in. Everything like that. He has told me the same things. Talked to Mecca Megwa the other day. Um, he said that he is still really liking Washington. He talks to KB quite a bit. So, it, you know, not all is lost. It's not great. It's not a great position for the Husky coaches and, and the program to be in, but it's not as bad as what you guys think it might be. Also interesting too, Scott, is, you know, coaches' ability to get out and see actual games. I mean, how yeah. big is that? Yeah, um, and, and, you know, there were, there were some coaches that, at, in the first week games that I went to, there weren't any of the games that I went to last week, but that was because they were in Michigan. And then, uh, last night there were some at the, um, O'Day Lake Stevens game at five o'clock at Memorial Stadium last night and, um, KB was there. I, um, I, Jimmy Lake was supposedly there, but I didn't see him. And so, um, but yeah, those were, those were the ones that, that I know about. So they love them. Some Jason Brown, the running back from O'Day and Jaden Lemar from, uh, Lake Stevens. So yeah, that's so. why they were there. And right. to, obviously to see the big, the big, uh, lineman from, uh, the 2024 lineman, um, uh, uh, shoot, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Yeah, that, that, yeah. And, uh, he's, he is everything that people have said. He is very raw, still has a lot of work to do, but man, he is athletic. He is light on his feet and he is a big, big boy. Chris Fetters, wrap it up. Yeah, just, uh, you know, again, I, I'm really excited to see what, what happens today. Um, maybe it's a little bit of the rubbernecker in me. You know, I, I, it's not like I enjoy car crashes, but I'm really interested to see and to see how this team reacts. Frankly, 
And, and to be honest, this is a program in Arkansas State. I mean, they're putting up ungodly offensive numbers, especially through the air, like 450 yards a game. I think they threw the ball 66 times against Memphis. You know, this is a, this is a team that Death Row is built for. I mean, this Death Row is supposed to be built for these, these types of, of high octane spread offenses and they're supposed to shut them down. So I'm really excited to see how that matchup goes. And then, a little less so, but I'm almost almost equally interested in the car crash between Washington's offense at 8.5 uh, points per game against an Arkansas defense that can't stop a cold. So how is that matchup going to go? But ultimately, I'm like a lot of fans right now. I'm in total show-me mode. Washington has to show me that they can win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball and that Dylan Morris – can run this offense the way it needs to be run because the the quarterback has to be able to get the plays in and then has to check into the kind of plays that they need to in order to have success. Everything needs to be run together and it needs to be run together with precision. And we see what happens with when just one piece of it falls apart, the whole thing goes to pot. So again, I'm in show me mode. I I'm expecting that they're going to win tonight or today, but, um, it's uh, it's going to be really, really fascinating to see how it all unfolds. Scott, wrap it up. I, I, I mean, I honestly, Chris just gave pretty much everything that I said. I want to see how Washington plays on each side of the line of scrimmage. Um, you know that if they win those, they should run away with this game relatively easily. The problem is they haven't done it yet, and they didn't do it against Montana. So why are they going to do it against Arkansas State? Who knows? I'm excited to see how things improve. I'm excited to see if uh, Romo Dunsey is back. I'm excited to see Jalen Millen get a little bit more involved, maybe go on some fly routes and, and some go routes so he can get down the field, maybe help take the top off the defense. It's going to be good to see Terrell Bynum back in there for the second game in a row. I want to see the offensive line get some push and get a running game going. And I'm on defense, like Chris said, you know, this – Defense was built to stop teams like Arkansas State, who throw the ball around. Washington has the defensive backs to get it done. Let's get it done. And um, I think Washington comes out with a win later today, and I think it's going to be a convincing one. Maybe not 45 to nothing like we talked about earlier, but I think they're going to get a convincing win, and that'll help them as they head into conference play against Cal next week. Big game. They need to win, and who thought that uh... – Arkansas State would be a must win, but like I said earlier, I think the next three games are going to be um, must win games. So uh, intrigued, interested to see what happens and hoping I can keep somewhat dry during today. So we'll see if that happens. So uh, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs> It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.